If you're wondering about the background noise, I am out and about. Um, I'm here at Fine Line uh, Design Studios out in uh, Honeydew. Shout out to them. I'm just having some work done on the Baki Ufa scene. So guys, welcome back, as I said, to the BDL show. I'm your favorite fat boy, Big Daddy Liberty. After this first break, um, we do what we do best, which is look at the news week that was. What happened this week that got you talking? And I know what I want to have a chat about. I want to have a chat about the dismal economic numbers that South Africans have endured, the unemployment rate, which has screamed up. And hey, even the speech by Tito Mboweni, does it do anything to allay the fears of South African families who are wondering where this economy is going? So we're going to have that conversation after the break. And remember, today's major guest, if you are paying attention, is Mr. Reno de Beer, who of course is the leader or president of the Liberty Fighters Network. Now, they're basically saying the lockdown is over. So we're going to have a chat with him and find out exactly what he means by that. And... Um, as I said, guys, the, the BDL show, very jam-packed show. And as always, we'll end the show on a funny note by looking at who the Moomish of the Week is. Now, if you're interested in finding out who the Moomish of the Week is on this show, make sure you stay to the very end of the show. So I'm going to take a quick ad break now. After the break, we look at the Newsweek that was. Guys, welcome back to the Big Daddy Liberty Show. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've had a very busy week on uh, in terms of the show and if you follow the show online remember you can always find the bdl show on any of your favorite social media platforms youtube facebook twitter you name it just search big daddy liberty so you don't miss out on the show this week i covered two major issues basically both of which are related to the economy. Like, what is going on? South African families are wondering, um, you know, as to why, uh, or actually, no, I lied. They're not wondering as to why the economy is slumping. I think we have a firm grasp on that. But why it's being allowed, essentially, by those who are in authority. What am I talking about, you must be wondering. Well, let's begin at the what I would argue is the biggest news item for the week, which is the unemployment numbers that came out. Now, if you watched the show uh, I did on Wednesday, you'll know exactly what these figures are. We're talking almost new highs here of... <clears throat> 30.1% officially in South Africa of unemployed South Africans. That is a crazy number. But this is what makes it even crazier. If you then factor in the number of people who are unemployed who are no longer looking for work, then that number screams all the way up to 39.7%. Nearly 40% of South Africans are without employment in this country. That is a crisis level, if there is anything, any other word rather, to describe it. And the question becomes, why are we here? Is it because of, as the politicians and some in the media would have us believe, is it because of, quote, COVID-19, um, which seems to be the rhetoric we're hearing a lot at the moment? And I simply say, no, it, it, it can't be. We cannot be blaming a virus for this. 100% of the unemployment rate in this country is caused by bad policy decisions, to which the lockdown is exactly one of those bad policy decisions. The lockdown, I will put it to you, is exactly why the unemployment figures are screaming up as they do in this country. And what should scare us the most, what should scare us the most, is that these unemployment figures, this 30%, 30.1% that I speak of, don't even reflect the... What, what essentially will be in the data, the lockdown period. In other words, the effects of the lockdown. So you can safely assume and anticipate that quarter two of the, the, the unemployment data will look 
absolutely worse. And that is a scary prospect when we're already talking about South Africans being at the point of, you know, 30.1% unemployment in terms of the official rate. So for me, I, I, I'm deeply concerned about the, the trajectory of the unemployment numbers in this country. And what makes it worse is that it's become a story which we are all too familiar and accustomed to, and maybe even, um, you know, maybe we don't even pay attention to it as much as we should. Why? Because the trend overall, over the last 10 years, has been exactly this. The unemployment rate screaming up. Uh, let me be precise and specific. In the first quarter of 2010, in other words, 10 years ago, at the same time this year, the, unemployed, the number of unemployed people um, was somewhere in the region of... Oh, and my notes just literally closed on me here. Um, just give me a second, folks. Let me try and open these notes up. <laughs> um, but the unemployment was somewhere in the region of just under 5 million people. So it's 4 point something million individuals who were unemployed. In, in other words, in quarter one of 2010. In quarter one of 2020, 10 years later, we're now looking at over 7.4 million people in the same period... Um, being unemployed. So the trend has been a negative one, you know, for the past 10 years and even longer. So that, as I made mention on the show, you now have a very reasonable prospect where there are children in this country who have grown up since the advent of democracy, having never seen a parent wake up to go to work. That is the actual reality. Because when we talk about these numbers, we forget that we're actually talking about people. Um, there are people behind them. And the cold hard reality is there are children in this country who are growing up having never seen a parent go to work. That is the levels, therefore, or that, can we then, therefore, sorry, be surprised when we have the sort of levels of poverty that we do in this country? And can we therefore really be surprised when we see how the lockdown has driven many families almost to the near point of starvation? Guys, there is something seriously amiss about a country that cannot have this conversation in an honest and open way. We're, we're choosing to do what the politicians do, which is deflect on all sorts of things that have nothing to do with why we're seeing this phenomenon. Because right now, the whole rhetoric, the buzzword in our politics is, oh, you know, COVID-19 is doing this. Oh, and it's happening around the world, they'll say. But that's simply not true. What it comes down to is the decision-making being made by the political elites in this country who, unfortunately, are not being questioned even by large pockets of the media. We're just sort of going, um, you know, hook and sinker with the, this, this whole narrative um, that it's somehow a, a virus that is doing this to us. It isn't. It is the poor policy environment. And until we address that, and until we move into a, in a direction where uh, policy in this country advances the individual, advances the family, over any politicians, over any state uh, entities, then you really will not see the sort of economic freedom um, required to create a prosperous, property-earning and liberty-leaning society, a non-racial one at that. So that's the lesson I think I picked up this week. Um, and it was compounded again when you then had to listen to the Minister of Finance, Tito Mboweni, deliver his, uh, basically his supplementary budget, a budget responding to as he put it, COVID, but in reality, the effects of lockdown. That's essentially what this budget did. And again, the numbers are just absolutely staggering. This time, in terms of the amount of debt the South African government is taking in order to fund a lot of its programs and to keep afloat a lot of its state-owned enterprises and basically state expenditure, that is the biggest threat 
That and unemployment are perhaps the biggest single economic threats this country is facing. We are literally borrowing to the hilt and we are passing on that money, or rather we're passing on that debt to the South African taxpayer who is already stretched to the limits. We are borrowing to the point where our future generations will be inheriting debt and they'll be saddled by debt. How, could you, how do you grow an economy when essentially we're borrowing um, beyond the, the, the reasonable means of us being able to realistically pay back at, at a cheaper rate. And let me put that into context, because we had this conversation on Wednesday's Big Daddy Liberty show on YouTube. You can find that if you go to the channel, where my guest, Mpia Kikamini, on the show, pointed out on the show that um, our debt-to-GDP ratio, in other words, the amount of debt compared to uh, the, the nation's income per se, has risen from 57% um, at what was at the beginning of this year, to now to being to being having been projected, sorry, at Feb in February, to be 65.6 percent, and now after the lockdown, as per the minister's announcement, is set to be 81 percent, 81.8 percent. I take a pause because those are staggering numbers. Imagine if you ran your household finances like that. But of course you wouldn't because you're more responsible than those who we call our politicians. But imagine if you ran your household finances like that, where you continuously accrue debt to the point where reasonably, at some point, you will not be able to pay that debt back. Who pays that debt? That's the conversation I want us to have as South Africans. Who actually pays this debt? Is it the politicians who are making the decisions and are following bad policy uh, proposals that run up debt and don't necessarily see a, a, a return on investment? Or is it you? Do you, the, the taxpayer, the individual, the family man, the family woman, pay back that debt? And at what cost to your own ambitions? At what cost to your own standard of living? That's the question I'm going to leave you with as I go to my ad break, my second ad break. And after the break, we'll somewhat pick up this conversation with my guest, um, uh, from the Liberty Fighters Network, uh, Mr. Reno de Beer, as they took the court, excuse me, they took the government on in court on this issue of the lockdown, foreseeing the negative impacts of it. But we'll pick that conversation up after the short break. Guys, welcome back to the Big Daddy Liberty Show. As I mentioned before the break, I've got a very special guest with me here in the studio. Uh, of course, the leader or president of the Liberty Fighters Network, that is Mr. Reno De Beer. Reno, good morning and welcome to the show. Uh, good morning. Thank you for inviting me back again. Fantastic, Reno. It's always good to hear from you. And um, I, I want us to jump into it, Reno, because we, we have 30 minutes to have a chat. Um, but I, I really want us to, to, you know, before we get to the court action that you guys took against the state, I, I really want people to have a sense of who am I talking to here? Who is Reno De Beer? And what are the Liberty, uh, uh, excuse me, the Liberty Fighters Network? Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard that question a lot of times. Um, yes, we, uh, we are basically a community-based um, organization, or let me say this used to be, because for, since the lockdown judgment came out, um, our support base grew by thousands overnight. Um, but uh, we used to be a, a small uh, community-based organization, mainly in, in Johannesburg, and uh, we were focusing on landlord-tenant disputes. Uh, we were trying to mediate between landlords and tenants um, 
and uh, also uh, assisting with uh, opposing um, eviction applications and also preventing illegal evictions to occur. That was actually our main uh, objectives and where we assisted the people the most. Um, yes, that, that, that was basically where we grew from, mm. um, as you can say, yes. And Reno, what made you start the, the, the Liberty uh, uh, Fighters Network? Like, what's your background, just very briefly? Well, uh, I've been a, in the property industry for the past 26 years. Um, I'm a trained portfolio manager. Um, so that was always my, my, uh, my profession. And, um, but I've always been involved in, um, in, in activism during the past 26 years. Uh, I've started off way back in the 90s um, to, to, to join the, the infamous ANC. And uh, we were actually very, uh, very active during those years. And we, we were actually the, the front runners, me, me and my brother at that stage, uh, to establish the so-called community schemes ombud services mm. uh, through the ANC then. So um, that was at the tender age of 22 years of age. So, so I've been around for quite a number of years already. Um, but but I was always involved in, in trying to assist people with human rights abuses. Um, that, that was always my my um, my expertise and my focus point. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that sounds fantastic um, in terms of, you know, ordinary South Africans standing up, putting their hands up and getting things done, especially when it comes to challenging bad decisions by the government. Um, let, let me actually hop straight into it. Uh, the, the Liberty Fighters Network, you guys have done some fantastic work in terms of taking on the state. Uh, don't I maybe quickly share with the listeners what exactly the court case was about um, and, and what the latest is on that one? Okay. Um, what, what happened was that when the lockdown started, um, approximately two weeks into the lockdown, uh, we've, we've started to receive many um, complaints from, uh, from uh, tenants um, in, in relation to, to landlords who took law into their own hands um, by illegally disconnecting electricity and evicting people. Um, and and they were, these tenants were all victims of the, of the lockdown. So um, by the time we launched the application, it, it grew to approximately 3,000 complaints. We, we were really waiting and hoping that some sort of a political party or other famous organization who'd come to the rescue and, and, and everyone knew that something was wrong with the lockdown regulations from the beginning. And, um, and, and we were hoping for these big organizations and political parties to, to do what we did. And eventually it came to a point to say that we cannot go on like this. We need to do something ourselves. Although we have been going to court on other occasions uh, uh, before, uh, in in our way, of, in in our um, work that we are doing, um, this was something that 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 we felt was was very necessary for the people of South Africa because we realised that this is affecting uh, everyone and not only only just limited to a certain certain group of people or class of people. 
and, and of course this problem uh, oh so, so, sorry and, and uh, so, sorry um you, you also ask uh, where is the court case now um well um as as you know that on the 2nd of june um the the, the court declared that um uh, the all the lockdown regulations are invalid and unconstitutional uh, but the, the government came out with a press release very early uh, very quickly um, after after the judgment was given to say that it's only relating to level three and four um, uh, lockdown regulations but that is totally incorrect that the, the court order specifically said all lockdown regulations but um, the the government was given 14 business days to um, to to to, to uh, um, make changes or to bring the 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 regulations in line with um, with the constitution. Um, they obviously two two days after the uh, the the judgment was was um, given. Uh, they decided in a special cabinet uh, meeting that no, they're going to appeal that application. So um, they thought that the whole um, judgment or the 14 days would have been suspended um, in terms of um, 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 as as usually is the case for. At the moment, when you file an application for leave to appeal, the, in terms of the, 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 the Superior Courts Act, um, it is considered that the operation and the uh, execution of that order is suspended. But that is not applicable in constitutional invalidity uh, judgments. Um, and, and the court uh, and, and the, the government failed to, to, to acknowledge that. And um, so we we intentionally decided that the leave application uh, should have been heard on the 24th, meaning that according to our calculations, the 14-day period would have lapsed on midnight, the 23rd of June. So um, even if we went to court on uh, on 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 Wednesday, according to our um, advice that we got from our legal team and from other uh, legal experts, um, they are actually of the opinion that uh, there are no lockdown regulations in place currently, and irrespective of the outcome of the uh, the leave application, according to us, we are basically out of lockdown. Yes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Reno. <laughs> let me let me double check this because. Obviously, I have a, a smile from ear to ear listening to this, and I think a lot of people listening to you right now might be thinking, whoa, what's this? The, the lockdown is over. <laughs> but let's, let's revisit this in terms of the argument, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push you a little bit in terms of perhaps what the state might say in response. But your argument is because okay. the original judgment by Judge Davis had basically given the government 14 days to rectify the what it termed the invalid and unconstitutional lockdown regulations, because they were given 14 days to rectify that, and they seemingly haven't done that, you're basically saying the lockdown is effectively over in South Africa? That is, uh, that is what, what, what we advise people, is to go back to work and go on. We are out of lockdown. That is indeed the case. Uh, the, the government um, is trying to to, to, to beat around the bush now at this stage, uh, they, they are keeping quiet 
Um, as we are going out now for the past two days, spreading the news to everyone that please go back. Um, they they haven't responded to that because it's there. If if we how, how the law works is that the the one who, who claims can 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 actually be uh, be be satisfied of of his view uh, unless the other one who is dissatisfied about it. Um, go back to court and get a declaration order. Mm. So uh, we we are of the view number one, uh, the court the, or the, the the government was what they should have done. Uh, and and this is um, th- th- there was uh, during 2015 there was a, a constitutional court case about the uh, it, it was uh, in, in legal um, um, uh, surroundings. People are referring to it as the cross border. Um, judgment mm-hmm. uh, in that court case, um, the, the the court, the constitutional court declared that the uh, the period that is given uh, in terms of the suspension period, like like in this, in that specific case, it was six months, but the suspension period was fourteen days and hours. So that means that. The, the the government had to react within that 14-day period, the business mm. day period, which ended at midnight, 23rd of June. So now, effectively, what is happening is that what they should have done was that they should have actually re they 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 should have actually approached the court and asked for an extension on the 14-day period. Uh, and and then get permission from the court because that period is regulated in terms of the constitution, um, specifically section one hundred and seventy two one b two of 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 the of the constitution. So that is that is something that is regulated directly in the constitution, which is our supreme law of this country. And um, now they are saying, but no. Uh, section 18.1 of the Superior Courts Act, uh, um, uh, uh, yes, uh, says that um, a leave ap- by filing a leave application, it, it is actually suspended. Um, but but that that has been during that cross-border um, judgment, um, d- during all the court cases that went on, there was at at one stage it came before Judge Nichols in the Pretoria High Court, and. At that stage, she specifically said, and and her judgment or her whole case went to the Constitutional Court on appeal, and the Constitutional Court confirmed everything that was said. In her judgment, she confirmed that uh, at that stage, it was still regulated in terms of the common law and in terms of uh, Rule 49.11 of the Uniform Form Rules of the Court, where she specifically declared that uh, the leave application at that stage was not suspending that period, and um, therefore, um, according to her, at that stage, the uh, the government was totally out of out of period because that six months period had already lapsed. So it's it's a very interesting thing what mm-hmm. is currently happening. Um, people people are expect if if we're going to expect the government to come forward and tell us. Yes, Mr. De Beer and Liberty Fighters Network are correct. 
that yes, we are out of lockdown, it will basically mean defeat for them. So uh, we will never get their, their, their response at this stage. And that is why we are saying that go out and claim your right that the lockdown is over. That there were only about six regulations that were excluded from that judgment. And unfortunately for smokers, it was the tobacco because of the pending um, FITA court case still. Um, and then there was the um, uh, excluded was uh, uh, casinos to open, clubs to open. Um, then also um, the court uh, continued with the suspension of, uh, of residential evictions and also initiation uh, ceremonies. Um, those were basically the, 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 the and also cross-border um, uh, travel. Um, that, that, that those were the, the rules that, or the regulations specifically excluded from, from that lockdown regulation. So uh, technically we are in a, in a, in a, in a uh, legislative vacuum. Mm. Um, there are no, there are no uh, stat, uh, uh, lockdown regulations in place besides mm. those mm. six or so. And um, so, uh, by law, if if you are being um, uh, um, um, uh, cornered by a police officer saying that you're not wearing your mask or uh, whatever the case may be, uh, you're not supposed to be uh, running without a mask or whatever the case may be, um, you can technically, you can legally tell the, that police officer that the court order said until the 23rd of June, and unless you can show me new regulations that took over, you are not in, by authority to arrest or prosecute or ask for prosecution against me. So, so that is basically uh, where we're sitting at now. That is I- insane. I think anybody who's listening to this is sighing a, a, a sigh of relief, I think, um, but maybe also just to echo what you said, maybe also a little confused, you know, like why is the state um, keeping quiet about this? Of course, you've, you've, you've made mention that, you know, the state obviously wouldn't want to <laughs> openly state that it's, it's been defeated. But l- let me zoom in here and, and maybe, because um, we're going to take a quick ad break in about a minute or so. I will still have you after the break for 10 minutes. Um, we'll continue our conversation. But I want to leave you at the question. Um, and we'll pick the conversation up after the break. Um, and the question is, you know, someone might now be thinking, maybe as a business person, okay, uh, do I now go back to work? Uh, maybe a lot of the work I did involved, you know, uh, traveling between provinces, maybe your delivery company, for example. Um, can, can I get back to work? Do I still need permits to do all of this? Um, let, let's have that conversation after the break. And after the break, I'll also ask you about, you know, uh, our freedoms generally as South Africans. What should we South Africans be doing to fight for our freedoms? So I'm going to take a quick ad break. And after the break, I continue my conversation with Mr. Reno Dipier from the Liberty Fighters Network. Welcome back to the Big Daddy Liberty Show. As I mentioned before the break, I am in conversation with Mr. Reno Dipier from the Liberty Fighters Network, a groundbreaking, if I can call it that, uh, court victory that they won against the Minister for Cocta, uh, or that's Cocta, Cooperative, um, Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, that's Minister Nkosazana Gamini Zuma. They won their case against her, basically um, 
having taken on the lockdown regulations. Remember, the High Court judgment declared some of Level 3 and Level 4 lockdown regulations as being invalid. Um, and this is of you know, profound importance if you really look at the effects that this lockdown has had on you, average South Africans, families in this country. I am continuing my conversation with uh, Reno De Beer for the next nine minutes or so. Reno, before the break, I, 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 I put a question to you that I think speaks to the everyday reality, right? Um, as people sort of try and make sense, therefore, of this legal vacuum that you speak of, that we're in. What about a business, for example, that does a lot of work across, um, you know, uh, 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 excuse me, a, a business that does a lot of work across provinces and has been told by the government, oh, you need to get a permit for this and a permit for that and a permit for this. Now, I ask you that question because another organization, uh, good friends of mine on the show, Sarkilecha, uh, the CEO, Pete Leroux, who I had on the show this week, um, had also taken the state on when it came to the issue of the permitting regime and they won their court case too. So wh- what would you say for a business that's maybe wondering, can we go back to work if by, by what the Liberty fighters are telling us? What we are telling people is that the law is on our side. Uh, It's up to the government to go out and get a declaration order that we are wrong. And they have not done so as yet. They haven't put us on, on terms or anything. So they know that this is the truth. And they just simply cannot go out because it means, as you have indicated, that there's going to be a, a, a regulation uh, vacuum at this stage. Meaning that uh, for, for people who's doing, uh, who, who need to get permits to operate during the lockdown, uh, legally speaking, that is not effective, that, that is not allowed anymore. It has lapsed. There's no such thing. And now you are going to be faced with a, with a problem that if you do, then, uh, or if, if you do go, um, they will tell you still that you need to get a permit. Although it is illegal, they have no legal basis of doing it. And so we are sitting with another chaos this wonderful government of ours have created in in the whole administration of this COVID-19. We thought that we were uh, on, on, on par with uh, first world countries. This whole lockdown was done in a sense as if we are a first world country. And our socioeconomic circumstances are totally different than than Europe and 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 United States of America. We we should have approached this in a more logical way, and and that never happened. So yes, we are going to sit with um, police officers and other law enforcement agents who are still going to just do their job. They are ordinary citizens who are receiving the instructions from government. And until the government instructs them not to proceed anymore, they will do their job. And we cannot blame them for for, for doing that. Um, And uh, so so what we are saying is that um, we want people to go out and grab and get your and claim your constitutional rights. Uh, claim it back. Yes, the initial period was for uh, cam- uh, uh, trying to prevent, uh, or as the government is saying, flattening the curve of the COVID-19 disease. But 
we are uh, very important here and 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 this is, is is something that is not in our normal in in our um media at all it has not been um uh, um mentioned to the ordinary person on the street is that we want to know from government how could they on the 15th of march um declare national state of disaster based on on covid-19 cases if the who only developed their own icd10 coding for covid-19 on the 1st of april they couldn't have given us factual factually correct case number figures uh, in order to go into lockdown in the first instance because there were no such statistics so you basically um, we were in Sorry, I was just saying, you're basically saying that even the very rationality of the decision to go into a lockdown was problematic, according to your view? Yes. Um, we, we, we also asked the court in our proceedings to declare the, national, the, the declaration of the national state of disaster as, um, as, uh, as irrational and unconstitutional. Mm. But the, the court found that it was not irrational. Um, based on uh, the, the, the court did give reasons. We are not happy with those reasons, but we didn't want to go and cross appeal that uh, because then we would not be in the position to say that the lockdown is over. So, so, so we wanted to prevent uh, uh, us to to to, um, to not reach what we actually wanted is to get uh, the the lockdown uh, behind us. So um, we we physically are sitting with that we were in lockdown for three days already before the the the, the World Health Organization introduced the the own coding system mm. for COVID nineteen. Um, before that. COVID-19 cases were registered on the existing Group J um, WICD-10 coding system, which was for influenza and pneumonia. Mm -hmm. So, so they, they piggybacked on that in order to lie to our people. And, and you know, th this is something very important that I need to say. Yeah. The DA and the, the Freedom Front and all these other parties are now questioning um, Minister Tlamini Zuma, uh, what was the rationality, what information she had on the 15th of March uh, when to, to declare a national state of disaster. But the political parties, all 14 political parties on the 15th of March agreed to the measurements taken by government mm. for COVID-19. And so they all had to have the same information. Otherwise, they would, should have then questioned the minister at that stage. No, you are wrong. We should not go into a national state of That's disaster. And they failed us. Reno, um, um, that is... That is the, a very, very major issue that we would like answers for. And I agree. I mean, I've made, I made the point before on the show that the, the, the real danger we're in as South Africans is, is that lack of political diversity. And because of that, you know, people don't question decisions. We don't openly challenge, um, you know, the, the exercise of state power. We just sort of accept it at times. Um, Reno, I'm running out of time. I've got 30 seconds. Um, and uh, maybe as a final question, um, the state is looking to basically appeal 
this and their advocates, Wim, Wim uh, uh, Trengrove, uh, who appeared on behalf of government, basically said this must be tested at the Supreme Court of Appeal um, to basically test the conclusion of the High Court. Your, your, your thoughts in 30 seconds, will you guys um, uh, uh, challenge the, their appeal and um, how do people get in touch with you guys? We are definitely challenging the appeal. Um, we, we still think that, and we are still of the view that the uh, declaration of invalidity uh, was definitely uh, um, uh, uh, rational uh, by the court. And uh, technically, we, we, we actually don't care because the period that was given until the 23rd of June midnight is over. They had to do whatever they had to do, and, and they can only go on technicalities and, and, and try and, and sort that out in, in the court. But it's not, according to us, the whole case is moot at this stage. Awesome. And how do people get in touch? How do people get in touch with the Liberty Fighters Network? And maybe if they're looking to join it, how do they do that? Um, yes, uh, people may join us free of charge. Uh, we, we don't have any membership fee. And they can go to our website, uh, www.libertyfighters.co.za. Absolutely. That is, of course, Mr. Reno De Pierre, the leader of the Liberty Fighters Network. I super appreciate your time, Reno. Thank you for being on the Big Daddy Liberty Show. I'm going to take a quick ad break. After Thank the you. break, we'll look at who the mumish of the week is. Guys, welcome back to the Big Daddy Liberty Show, the last three minutes of the show, as we do what we usually do, which is look at who the mumish of the week is, the loser of the week is. Before I do, a comment did come through uh, here into the studio, not that I'm in the studio, but anyway, um, from Benjamin DeVet, who says, hey, Big Daddy, what an opportunity this government missed by the prohibition of smoking. If they genuinely thought that smoking is harmful, um, they could have continued the sales but doubled the price. This is, of course, according to... Um, Benjamin DeVette, who continues to say, but no, they made it illegal and so created a large criminal enterprise, perhaps for personal gain, as he says. Um, yeah, Benjamin, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very big issue um, of the... But again, it circles back to, I think, the point even our guest made, which is the irrationality of the lockdown regulations. And of course, even Judge Davis himself in the High Court, in his judgment, cited that being the primary reason. Um, politicians do not have the right to make irrational decisions. Um, especially as they affect South African families. But let me, as I always do on the BDL show, who is the moomish of the week, the loser of the week? Uh, I might have two this week, <laughs> if I'm to be brutally honest. Um, two people who I think really deserve it. I began the show by talking about the latest unemployment figures that came out, which in my view should have been the dominating story of the week, the dominating story even of the day. But no, it wasn't on our social media streets, and instead we went down the rabbit hole of politicians who race bait um, and essentially stoke angst by baiting people in racial arguments and racist arguments. A one MEC of education, uh, Panyaza Lesufi, on Twitter basically threw out a tweet saying, oh, 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 why do we still have an Arania to this day? Um, that seems to be the biggest issue that we're facing as South Africans. That's according to Lesufi. And predictably, people you know, fell for that hook, line, and sinker. And the conversation on social media became about Arania. Um, 
that and of course Helen Zeller and her tweets. And I remember thinking to myself, how is this valid? Or even, how is this, uh, uh, what's the word? Sorry, uh, how is this um, meaningful to the South African right now who is literally at the brink of starvation because of the lockdown, which has decimated incomes, decimated jobs in this country. But of course, that's the distraction that politicians use. They use race as a distraction from the everyday failures in, the, in this case by their very own administration. So I'm sorry, MEC Panyazalusu, for you go down on my list this week as being the Moomish of the week. And with you, the second entity who will be the Moomish of the week has to be the very political party that Panyazali Sufi um, is part of. That is the ANC uh, or the African National Congress for the actual unemployment figures that came out in this country. What a bunch of losers that we have in this country. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the Big Daddy Liberty Show, the podcast edition, uh, syndicated in, in this case on Chai FM. Remember, the podcast itself will be made available on all your favorite podcasting avenues, Spotify, Apple, and um, Iono, and of course, on YouTube. So you can look forward to that later in the day. Shabbat Shalom to my Jewish friends out here. And um, enjoy this weekend. And remember to catch the Big Daddy Liberty Show again next week.